And so we'll just take these, this beginning part of this session to settle into the body. And to ground the awareness in the body. And we're going to set an intention that if some uncomfortable sensation arises, yeah, might be an itch or a tickle, some degree of mild discomfort somewhere in the body, if it arises, for these 10 minutes, we're not going to react. So we won't scratch the itch. And we won't move to get rid of the discomfort or the tickle. But we're going to do this not with a sense of forcefulness or harshness, but actually, if any itch, tickle, discomfort arises, Gonna see if we can open around it. Yeah. We're not trying to get rid of it. And we're also not ignoring. But we're opening with kindness and interest to this sensation. And of course, if right now there's only comfortable sensations, then enjoy. But we're setting this intention yeah, to not scratch the itch. Yeah. So meeting any degree of discomfort in the body with interest, with kindness, Seeing it as a phenomena that's arising and is here to be known. And knowing also that in its own time it will change and perhaps disappear in its own time. So we're letting it be with interest and kindness. So let's just sit in this way and see what unfolds in experience.
So any degree of discomfort and we can include also moments just like now when we suddenly realize, oh, you know, there's been, you know, a distraction in the mind. Haven't been paying attention and that too becomes something unpleasant. And we can feel the tendency to react and push away perhaps or resist. And can we soften? Not react, not ignore, not suppress, but meet this moment of experience. Open to it. Allow it. Be interested in it. What is it like to not follow strong aversion? What is it like to not follow strong aversion? To not give in to desire to get rid of? What is it like? And what happens when we open and meet with kindness, with interest? What opens up when we do this? Aware, present. Not pushing away. Opening to. Interested in. What opens up? So we can keep this question or questions in the background as, uh, as we listen. And so I'd like to offer some reflections And I'll refer back to the meditation that we just did. Um, But first, I'd just like to acknowledge your practice. To acknowledge the fact that we're here. And that we've been here for 24 hours. I'm pretty sure. And that's something, you know. I'm sure it's had its ups and downs. We've gone quickly or slowly or both. 
it's it's really worthwhile to to just pause and and take stock and and acknowledge appreciate what we're doing what we're doing appreciate ourselves and appreciate each other So I want to begin uh, the reflection today with just making, you know, a statement that we've already made and we'll keep repeating in different ways. Uh, I want to point to the fact that all phenomena, all appearance, all aspects of experience are conditioned, are put together, fabricated, made from conditions, shaped. And the conditions that shape our experience include the heart-mind, what in Pali is called the citta, C-I-T-T-A. It's heart-mind, mind-heart, heart-mind. So the citta itself, the heart-mind itself participates or impacts how our experience is shaped. So another way of saying what I've just said is that there's always a way of looking and a way of relating to experience that shapes what we experience, that contributes towards what we experience, that fabricates our experience. And maybe you had a glimpse of that just now in the practice. So when we make an intention to not scratch the itch, when we make an intention to not be reactive in the way we usually are, habitually are, what happens? We can see, maybe even just for a moment, that if we bring interest and kindness towards an experience that you know we would normally call unpleasant then the experience can be very different to when we bring aversion and resistance towards it And this is what we mean when we say the way of looking, the way of relating, shapes experience. Because aversion is a way of looking. Interest is a way of looking, a way of relating. It's a state of the heart and mind. And it impacts how we meet what arises in the heart and mind. And so just like with the itch or the tickle or the unpleasant sensation, you know, maybe you saw it was a very short meditation. So you you know, wasn't a lot of opportunity. Yeah. But if you liked it or you're interested, you know, just try it some more. Yeah. But maybe what what you saw is, you know, the ways of relating, many of them, most of them are habitual. So just something like a tickle, and I often give this example, you know, I've got this very um, disobedient hair, <laughs> you know, it just you know, always is going in my face, you know, it's just a very light touch, yeah? it's a very light touch, and yet the habitual reaction is aversion, it's un- I don't like it, it's uncomfortable, just this light touch, yeah, just, just, A couple of hairs touching the face, you know, nothing wrong. 
And yet there's the strong habit. Ah, get it off. Yeah, you know that? We do that. Or it's an itch, you know, and we scratch. Yes, it's so strong, that reaction. So often, a lot of the time, the ways of looking, the ways of relating that are present in the heart-mind and that impact how we respond, yeah? impact our reaction towards what is happening and therefore impact experience, they're habitual. Yeah? They're habitual. And often, you know, they're not even ours. <laughs> I don't think they're ours at all. You know, when we start looking at them, we see many of them are cultural. Yeah, they're to do with um, the society that we grew up with, in the family we grew up in. Yeah, uh, many of them are just roots that we've repeated. Yeah, we know that about how the brain, the mind operates. Right, things that we do, things that we've repeated, they become the grooves that the mind follows. So they come from our culture, they come from repetition, um, they come from biology a lot of the time. You know, our search for um, safety, security, community, yeah, belonging. So we can see, you know, there's nothing wrong <laughs> in the roots. It's not that it's bad. Yeah. The important thing for us to know is that it's habitual, it's non-intentional. Yeah. Non-intentional, a lot of it. And so therefore, because it's non-intentional, because there's no awareness, because there's no intentional choice, yeah, then a lot of these habits play out in ways that are not helpful. Yeah. They're not helpful. Ways that might hinder, might get in the way of our well-being. Yeah, and of our happiness. And because we're not separate from others, they will also get in the way of the well-being and the happiness of others. Yeah. Both those immediately near us <laughs> and wider and wider networks. And we can see this in the world that we share. Yeah. These habitual patterns playing out in very harmful ways in our societies and, and on the planet. So part of what we're interested in is first of all this understanding, which sounds, you know, really simple. <laughs> That's always a way of looking. Really simple. Huh? It's part of how our experience is shaped. And it's habitual. And it leads to reactivity, which is not always the most useful response for well-being. Yeah. And yet, because it's habitual and because it's so unconscious, part of our work through practice is to open up the awareness and to remember there's a way of looking. So let's look at that way of looking. Yeah. It's open. And so part of it is, is kind of shifting, you know, bringing the ways of looking and bringing these habits of attention and mind from the unconscious to the conscious. So in the, in the teachings, yeah, I've, I've used this word hindered. <laughs> hinder, you know, ways of looking, habits that hinder deep well-being and happiness. Um, in the tradition, there's five, um, five states of the citta, of the heart-mind, that are called the five hindrances. You know, they're so um, prevalent, they're so common to us, and they play such a part in our lives and in our practice that they've got their own list. <laughs> Teachings are full of lists. And these get their own list, okay, five, five hindrances or obstacles, yeah, five things that commonly get in the way. It's really important to say we see them very clearly in our meditation practice, um, but they also arise in our lives all the time, yeah. That's why 
they're so obvious when we practice, when we stop, and when we listen to our experience, we meet them. And so part of getting to know them in the practice is, um, is you know, allows us to get to know them in our lives and opens up avenues of freedom and well-being. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the five and then I'll go into, into each one. Um, but I, I want to I ask you to, as I say them, to just kind of reflect on your experience today or in the last 24 hours. And, and just kind of with that sense of, oh, were any of these present? Yeah, were any of these present? Did I notice? Maybe, maybe, quite likely, they might be even present right now. Yeah. Right at this moment. So that's quite a, that was quite a uh, teaser there. Here they are. Many of you know them. Um, so the five hindrances are greed, aversion, restlessness, dullness, and drowsiness. That's one. So it's the low energy of the mind and the low energy of the body. And restlessness would be the high energy of the mind and the high energy of the body. And the fifth hindrance is doubt. And so just kind of reflecting when I say this. Yeah. Reflecting on the last 24 hours and noticing. Yeah. Did, I, did any of these arise? Were they present? Yeah. And even right now in this moment. So one, you know, I've already said a few really important things about the hindrances, and I'm going to repeat them. One, they're really strong habits, yeah, really strong habits of mind. Um, two, yeah, another really important thing. Um, they, they, they're actually not personal, <laughs> really important. They're not about you. So if you felt tired today or if you felt restless today, yeah. Or if you felt, um, you know, a lot of aversion today or a lot of doubt. Yeah. This is human. It's human. It's not about you. It's not about your worth. It's not about how good a meditator you are. Yeah. Really important to remember. And actually in the teachings, um, you know, the Buddha says the hindrances, they... They stay with us, yeah, right till the end of the path. Yeah, they're a human, really strong human manifestation. What changes is that we learn to recognize them and to work with them and to not be limited by them. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So I'm just going to check because, yeah, you're still frozen for me through most of this. And this is an interesting exploration <laughs> for me because I, I usually like seeing people's expressions when I speak. So now you're moving. I'm just double checking and asking again if, if, um, if you can't hear me at any point, please send a chat message through. And at the moment you are moving so you can give me a, oh, you can hear us. Thanks, Justine. Great. Yeah, and I'm getting some thumbs up that I can actually see. Yeah. Hooray. So I have aversion to not seeing you. Yeah, there's a hindrance. Yeah. And then it brings with it doubt. Yeah. Is this working? <laughs> so you see, it's human. And it comes up in all kinds of situations. And what happens when we recognize? Yeah, we'll go into that a little bit more. So the hindrances are ways of looking. There's ways of relating to experience. This is one of the great gifts that the Buddha gave us. Yeah. We see this not personal. It's a habit of the human mind to relate to phenomena in this way. Yeah. And a lot of the time, <laughs> it does not bring well-being and happiness. Yeah. It doesn't bring well-being and happiness. So... You know, what are, our, what are our options? What are our possibilities? And so if we just take this example right now that I'm just giving live, yeah? I'm here, 
I thought I had the situation sussed with the internet, you know, all day it's been working fine with tethering from my phone. <laughs> and then here we come and it's not working so well. Yeah. And so, as I said, there's a version to that. And there's a, a degree of restlessness there. So there's contact. Here's, you know, here's me. Yeah, this heart-mind. Yeah. And here's the experience. Yeah. Internet isn't working very well. Yeah. Here's the experience. I'm not seeing you very well. Yeah. And so there's a contact, yeah. And with that contact comes um, what Nathan calls giving the review to life. You know, when you kind of have the option to give a five... Um, out of five stars review. So is this a good experience? Is it a nice experience or not a nice experience? Or is it somewhere in the middle? <laughs> and it, it's obvious, right? You don't need to be in my head to know. This is not a nice experience. Yeah. The review is, yeah. don't like it. Right. So we recognize that. Now, if I wasn't paying attention and even verbalizing it to you, yeah, what would happen? There'd be reactivity, yeah. yeah, and the reactivity would build up. I don't like this, I don't want it, you know, this is terrible, you know, this is a real catastrophe. All the other online retreats I've taught, you know, people have said, isn't it amazing, there's been no internet problems in this retreat? Goodness, you know, you know, it's ruined. And I'm, I'm a little bit exaggerating, but when we don't pay attention, that's what happens in our mind. The reactivity builds up. The escalation builds up. And something becomes more and more and more of a problem. Yeah. And this is a great example because I don't even know what your experience is. You know, I, I asked you a few times and I got good feedback. <laughs> but it might be completely fine on your end. It might just be the download speed for me. Yeah. So it's interesting. Right? It's interesting. So this reactivity, this reaction, this escalation, something that happens in the mind, and the more escalation there is, yeah, what else is there? The more dukkha, the more uh, unhappiness, the less well-being. Yeah? It arise, they arise together. When there's reactivity, when there's escalation, there'll be more dukkha. Yeah. And this is really important. Yeah. to recognize, to see in our own experience. So noticing, yeah, being, becoming sensitive to the way of looking yeah, and becoming sensitive to when hindrances are present. This is a great gift yeah. and it's really skillful because what does that do? When I know, ah, this is... You know, there's a version to this. I don't like it. The review is really low <laughs> here. Yeah. When I know that, when I see that, then the, the, the whole process of escalation doesn't get fed in the same way. Yeah. So it becomes less of a big deal, less problematic. Yeah. It doesn't build up, less dukkha. So just the recognition this it's this yeah it's this so when we notice there's a hindrance yeah when we notice what the hindrance is then we've moved from the unconscious to the conscious yeah? we know what's here and we're not propelled into reactivity in the same way and when we notice yeah and we're not propelled, we have more space. Yeah, we can be responsive to the situation. Yeah. We can respond in skillful ways. So sometimes, you know, it's not clear what the hindrance is, but we can just feel, <laughs> oh, there's some kind of story, there's some kind of storm, there's some kind of... Um, escalation going on yeah and that might be enough yeah we don't always need to know exactly what it is it might be enough because we can just open to that yeah and recognize that and allow that yeah 
and learn to get it to to get and learn to know it better. Yeah. Just that immediacy of experience, just like with the itch, <laughs> staying present, yeah. Not ignoring, not suppressing, not reactive. And that helps us remember this isn't about me. Yeah. And if I don't get embroiled, yeah, so much less suffering for myself and for others. So I'm going to speak a little bit. Hopefully I'll, I'll manage with the time. I always find it a challenge to speak about the hindrances <laughs> in, in one Dharma talk, but you know, let's see. I want to I wanna kind of relate a little bit to each one because as I said, it's, sometimes it doesn't really matter. And yet also when we recognize which, which hindrance or hindrances are present, we can work with them in particular ways. Yeah, and that can be really helpful. And maybe I've kind of half said it, so I'll just say it. They often come in groups. <laughs> yeah. My friend Rob used to say, hindrance attack. Yeah, hindrance attack. Not just one. And you may have also noticed that they come in pairs. Yeah? Greed and aversion. Yeah? They're two sides of the same coin. Restlessness and... Um, dullness, drowsiness, two sides of the same coin. So we'll, we'll look into that a little bit. So let's look at um, at the first one, at greed. Yeah. So one really interesting thing about greed is we tend to think, you know, greed, that's, you know, it's related to the pleasant in our minds. But actually, when we look at the experience yeah, of greed, yeah, it's an unpleasant, yeah, it's an unpleasant reactivity to a pleasant um, sensation yeah, or stimulation. So there's something that I want, the something is perceived as pleasant, but the actual experience of the greediness Check for yourself. The actual experience of greediness is unpleasant. Yeah, and, this is, and this is a really important key to this. Yeah. It's, you know, when there's greed, there's, I want this, yeah, with a lot of demand. I want this for me, yeah, really strong aspect. I want this for me, yeah, I want this now also <laughs> yeah get the the toddler vibe <laughs> in there i just heard it now i want this for me i want it now yeah i want it you know my way yeah, my way so there's quite an extreme wanting and holding on in that movement yeah. And sometimes we can actually feel the walls going up. And this is why I said greed and aversion yeah, are side, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I want this and I don't want that. Yeah, I want this and I don't want it to go and I don't want it to disappear. Yeah, or I want this and I don't want anyone else to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the other way around, aversion. I don't want that because I want something else. Yeah. This isn't good enough and I want that. I want something else. So we can really feel with desire, yeah, what does it feel like in the body with greed? What does it feel like in the body? Yeah, there's contraction, there's contraction, there's limitation. Yeah. So the body really helps us here. The body in the space of awareness. And we forget that we have other ways of relating. So this is a way of relating to experience. Oh, there's something nice here, you know, there's a a moment of calm in the meditation is really beautiful. Yeah. Or there's this like perfect cup of tea, you know, absolutely perfect. Nobody, nobody's ever had such a great cup of tea before. It's, it's just right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I want it. And I want it. And we forget there's another possibility. There's the possibility to really enjoy this right now without trying to hold on to it, without grasping onto it. And often, you know, with simple sensual pleasures, this is really clear. <laughs> if I think, you know, of, you know, this happens to be water in this cup, but let's pretend it's a cup of tea, the perfect cup of tea. I'll have two, you know, sips of it, and then I'll try and analyze how did I make it to get it so right so I can have it again. You see? So I'm not enjoying this anymore. Yeah. I'm somewhere else. Yeah. Somewhere else. And the actual experience, if I feel into the body, yeah, is an experience of ill-being. Yeah. And I'm not enjoying it. So what happens, yeah, that... Um, William Blake line, you know, kiss the joy as it flies. If I really allow myself to enjoy, enjoy this. And when I don't um, relate to it with greed, so much more enjoyment opens up, so much more well-being. And another way, you know, of responding sometimes, yeah, there's something, you know, this experience right now, it's not that there's something nice here. <laughs> this is actually might be pretty boring or grim, yeah. But there's something there, you know, again, oh, that state of meditation that I know is possible. <laughs> but it's not here now and I want it, yeah, because I know it's possible. And again, that movement away. And if we, you've been meditating long enough, you know that this... <laughs> reaching out, trying to grab it, it keeps it away, you know, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, one of those computer games, it just keeps running away from you, yeah. does the opposite. So can I instead, yeah, can I instead open to what is okay in my experience right now, yeah, open to gratitude, open to appreciation, yeah, open to contentment, the great antidotes to greed. And so I want to kind of make one really clear point here about greed, which is sometimes um, translated as desire. Yeah. That can be quite confusing. There can be, you know, there's desires that are skillful. It's not that desire itself is skillful. It's unskillful. There can be desires that are skillful. For example, you know, the wish, you know, to, to, to wake up. You know, the wish for, um, you know, freedom from suffering. Yeah. the wish to attend to the suffering in the world. There's many, many desires that are really skillful. The wish to love. Yeah. The line between the skillful and the unskillful comes from the degree of contractedness and the degree of openness. That's how we tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. When there's a sense of self-centeredness for me, yeah, that toddler... <laughs> For me, right now, like this, yeah. What what does that feel like? Yeah? Small, contracted, limited. Yeah. And when there's this deep, skillful desire for well-being, what does that feel like? Yeah, open, wholehearted. Less about me. Yeah. I mean, it can be my own well-being, but there's not that from an open heart. So I wanted to throw that in there because sometimes it all gets lumped together. Yeah. And that can be, can be quite confusing. So desire and the other side, aversion. Yeah, and aversion includes all the ways that we reject and push away experience. Yeah. All the ways that we uh, reject and push away. Yeah. We shut down in the face of the unpleasant. We try to ignore it. We suppress it. Yeah. And of course, and this is so important, this itself, yeah, the reactivity to what is unpleasant in itself is unpleasant. Yeah. So we have layers of unpleasantness. Layers of unpleasantness building up. Yeah. 
And it's as if, you know, with, with both of these, yeah, I said two sides of the same coin. It's like we say to life, no, we only want this part and not that. Yeah. I only want day and not night. Or it might be, I only want night and not day. <laughs> and we don't see the wholeness. Yeah. They lean on each other. So with, with all the levels of resistance, of aversion, of, you know, which at, at ex- extreme is ill will, yeah. actually wishing ill for ourselves or others. And we know this, you know, in how we speak to ourselves sometimes. So a real great antidote for this is cultivating an attitude of kindness, which is what we've been doing, and an attitude of interest, those two together. Yeah. When there's interest, it's very difficult to feel aversion. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that yet, but, but check it out. If I'm interested in something that, you know, if I'm curious, and the kindness comes along, yeah, and we can also amp up the sense of kindness and of care. Yeah. We can also, both with desire and with aversion, actually with all the hindrances, we can work with the body just like we've been doing. Yeah. So the body also fabricates experience. Yeah. So if these um, ways of looking of the hindrances, if what they do is they contract, they bring contraction, limitation, yeah, lack of fluidity, rigid, rigidity, then if we... Um, Relax the body, yeah? Have you, have you ever tried feeling aversive and relaxed at the same time? Try. <laughs> Try. Or the other great one is if you're feeling aversive, try to feel more aversive, yeah? I say to yourself, I, I, you know, no, no, I want, I want more aversion. And don't, just, just try to amp up the feeling. But the best one is, yeah, Aversion, try to, to see, can I be aversive and can I be, can the body be relaxed at the same time? Yeah, relaxed, open, spacious. Yeah. So we can say, we use the body to unclench, yeah, to unclench the, this, this movement of grasping, yeah, which is what happens both when there's aversion and there's desire present. Yeah, we're holding on to something, we're pushing something away. And so when we when we soften and relax the body space, when we open the body space, that hand can't stay clenched, can't hold on. Yeah, it opens and relaxes. And I see Gargul doing that right now, and I really recommend doing that. Yeah, kind of, yeah, ponder, reflect, and feel. Yeah, feel in the body. The body can teach us a lot about our experience. So I kind of said something before, and I said it really quickly. Um, and this is a, a little uh, set of practices that are really useful for, for all the hindrances, yeah, for all the hindrances. And um, I kind of, I spoke about them before, and I'm just going to mention them now again, and I'm going to give you the acronym, which perhaps many of you know. It's easier to remember. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a set of ways of responding to hindrances, and uh, the acronym is RAIN, yeah. R-A-I-N, RAIN. Yeah. So the first, the R, is the recognition. Ah, there's a hindrance here. Yeah. Just the recognition. Yeah. And pausing, noticing, and I said sometimes, you know, we don't even know which one it is, and we don't need to know. And sometimes it's worth naming, you know, finding out what is this, yeah. And really noticing it's not a place. The recognition isn't about blaming. Yeah. It's really just about meeting, acknowledging, bringing into consciousness, bringing into awareness. The second part of the A is allow. Yeah. So we relax, we open, and we allow this to be, yeah? And then this, it might be the hindrance and it might be the object towards which the hindrance is, um, is operating, yeah? So we allow, yeah, we allow this itch and we allow the aversion. Yeah, we allow the internet problems and we allow the aversion and the doubt that come with them, yeah? 
So we allow because, you know, at that point, that's all we can, that's, you know, that's a really important step in our process. We allow, we say, okay, this is how it is right now. Yeah. And that, just that, relaxes, opens, yeah, the space in the body and the mind. Again, try it out. See for yourself. And these two first steps, yeah, they're foundations. Yeah. So we've had the relax, we've had the open, they're foundations in awakening. Because yeah. the next steps, the I, is investigation. Yeah. What we've been calling interest. Yeah. And we can do this in many ways. One is we just we're just curious. Yeah. What what are you like? <laughs> what are you like? What are you like in the body? Yeah. Are you as permanent as I think you are? Yeah. Are you as right? as I think you are. <laughs> yeah. And do, you know, this is the fundamental question. What do you lead to? Yeah. My good friend, hindrance. My best friend is aversion out of the pack, by the way. Um, you might find that you have one dominant hindrance as well. So what, where do you lead to? Do you lead to well-being? Or do you lead to dukkha, to ill-being? Yeah. Just asking that question, being interested. Where do you lead? Yeah. Where do you lead if I follow you? And then with an investigation, what happens? You know, we also bring it to the body. What happens if I open up the space of the body? Yeah. What happens if I breathe in a way that opens up the space? What happens if I open up to sound? And open up the space, yeah? So here comes the playfulness and the patience that Nathan was talking about this morning, how we engage with experience. So that's the, the I for investigation, or in the language I just realized now, we, we usually just refer to it as interest. Yeah. And the N um, at the end of RAIN, non-identification. Yeah. Not about me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to rephrase this, okay? Not about me. And I said this right at the beginning, or near the beginning. We tend to take the hindrances personally. We tend to take also the itches and the tickles personally. <laughs> but definitely the hindrances. I'm an aversive person. I'm, you know, a terrible meditator. I have an issue with greed. Yeah. So just unhooking, not about me, unhooking. This is not personal. And we would notice, and we'll unpack this over the retreat, that with this whole kind of hindrance attack, the shaping of experience, what it comes with, the contraction in the body, comes also with identification yeah, of being something, some way. Yeah. This is how I am. And this identification, you know, is the, the hub of this self-centeredness about me. It's about me. So when we remember it's not about me with very light touch, yeah. it's not about me. This is, a, this is an arising. <laughs> yeah, this is a human tendency. Not personal. Yeah. We're moving from this self-centeredness yeah, I'm at the center of the universe, which if we're honest, we walk around a lot of the time thinking. Yeah. So from this self-centered to a wider, wider stance, openness, wakefulness. From kind of the inquiry being, what's in it for me? Yeah, what's in it for me? What can I get? And what can I get rid of? Yeah. Less demand. And the less demand, more space. And the more space, more flow and movement. Yeah. More life. More possibilities. A softer sense of self. Okay. So, 
I've spent quite a bit of time on, on greed and aversion. Um, and actually, I would probably say um, we need to give time also to the other hindrances because, uh, you know, especially in the first days of retreat, very, very common. Yeah. And so that pairing of the restlessness and the, um, and the dullness, the drowsiness. Yeah. So first of all, the rain paradigm, you know, relevant to all five. Um, but it can be really helpful to see restlessness and, um, and drowsiness, dullness, also as uh, a meeting place. Yeah? What are they? They're imbalances of energy. Yeah? Imbalances of energy, when the energy is out of balance. So um, what does that mean? So when there's restlessness, agitation, we would say there's too much energy in the system. Or... The energy is trapped in a small space. Yeah. Really interesting. Now, if we think about energy moving, if the, small, if the space is small, it bounces. Yeah. The space is bigger. Yeah. Much more space to move through. So when we have too much energy or the space is too small, yeah, what do we do? Yeah. One thing we can do is to open up the space. Yeah, something we've been practicing and we'll be practicing more. Yeah, we open up the space in the body or through sound. Yeah, create a wider container. Yeah, a wider container. We can also use the body to ground and root. We've also been doing that, the contact areas. Yeah, a sense of, of earth. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of energy <laughs> in the system, electricity. We earth, yeah, plug in to the groundedness. Yeah. We can use the breath. Now we can play with breathing longer, yeah, or more deeply, and seeing how that impacts a sense of restlessness. And we can bring that intention to relax and to soften. I'm trusting you're still with me. I can see Shlomit smiling. So I guess you are. So that's when we have too much energy. And what happens when we have too little? You know, I can't resist this. I have a friend who says, you know, all those sitting meditations when I keep saying yes to life, <laughs> nodding. You know, a lot of drowsiness, we keep saying yes. And, you know, ever since I heard her say that, it just changes the whole experience. You know, because of, instead of being aversive, it becomes positive. Well, what am I doing here? I'm saying yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So when we have too little interest, um, brightening the mind and body. Now, how do we brighten the mind and body? Humor. Yeah. Reframing the experience. Um, opening up the space again, really works with brightening the mind and body. Uh, imagining a light coming in. This is one of the Buddha's recommendations. Yeah. Imagining light coming in through here, through the forehead, and, and that light filling up the body space. Um, the, the sense of an upward movement often shifts the energy. Yeah. So we might imagine the breath coming um, from low down in the body. We're allowed to play with the breath, by the way. Um, so we can imagine the breath coming from lower down in the body. It might be from the feet or it might be from the belly and rising up, yeah. rising up through the body or the support from the earth rising up from the body and opening out. Yeah. So all of this supports um, working with too little energy. And the interesting thing is, I mentioned, you know, multiple hindrance attacks with restlessness or drowsiness. What's going to be there? Aversion. Yeah. I don't like this because it's unpleasant. So I don't want it. And greed. Yeah. For, a, for, you know, a meditation without. Yeah. I want a meditation where I'm not restless or I'm not tired. So really helpful to see that, you know, to see that packaging. So 
so we can play, you know, and just bringing that interest and playfulness and curiosity, we can play, yeah, with the space, with a sense of ease and relaxation, with the brightening, yeah, or the opening, according to what is needed, um, and with the breath, in ways that are helpful, calming with the breath, or uh, energizing with the breath, yeah, upward movement, outward movement. And so the last hindrance, doubt, you know, which I think one time I gave a whole talk on a retreat just on doubt because it's so multifaceted. Um, but Nathan and I also like seeing doubt as um, really related to this issue of energy. It's like when, when the energy in the system is trapped in a circle and it just goes round and round and round and doesn't actually kind of um, release in any way. I think that's what doubt feels like to me. Yeah. And doubt, this loop, can come up in, in different ways. Yeah? It, can, it often comes up as doubt in ourselves. Yeah. I can't do this. I'm a rubbish meditator. Yeah. I should have started you know, when I was 15. I should have waited you know, till after my kids were <laughs> grown up, whatever. You know? Doubt in ourselves. Yeah, it'll come up in all kinds of ways. Um, doubt in the teachings. This isn't for me. Yeah. This isn't for me. You know, it's it's not. You know, it's not the right. I, you know, I heard there's this other retreat with these other teachers. You know, there's that tradition. Yeah, so it's doubt in the teachings, the teachers, their internet connect, connection. Um, doubt in the possibility. No, it can't be. You know, this is it. You know, life is like this. It's not possible to go beyond. Yeah. So doubt can manifest in all these ways. As I said, it's very commonly we turn it towards ourselves or it turns towards ourselves, becomes doubt in ourselves. But equally it can have these threads yeah. of doubt in the teachings or the teachers. And so with doubt, so helpful to recognize it because it can be really like mesmerizing. <laughs> oh yeah, there's something really interesting. Just recognize this is the voice of doubt. This feels like energy that's trapped in the system. It's going round and round. So we recognize and we just allow, we give some space. Yeah. And then we bring interest and investigation. Yeah. Yeah, this is just a voice. And we had this in the Q&A today. You know, of, you know, this is just something, maybe just one voice in this heart-mind. One way of looking, one way of relating. I don't need to believe it a hundred percent. So let go of struggle, allow, investigate, open the space. Remember it's not personal. And remember, you know, I don't need to have it all figured out right now. I'm just taking the next step. I'm just trying this out. Yeah. I'm just going to see this through and see what happens. It's not about me. You know, that voice that says it's about me, it's about you. <laughs> You're like this. So, no, it's not about me. Sometimes um, we need to park something. You know, sometimes there'll be this doubt that seems like it's really got something to say. And sometimes doubt does have really valuable things to say. You know? So doubt can be questioning. That's quite healthy. Um, but sometimes we can just say, okay, I'm going to park you here and I'll come back to you. You know, I'll come back to you at tea time. I'll come back to you um, after the retreat. Yeah, I'll come back to you at the right time and place. Yeah, and we might even write it down. Yeah. So we come back uh, later. We park it for now. And as we do this, we're shifting. Yeah, we're shifting from struggle and confusion. Yeah and this loop of energy that kind of is, is um, caught up. Yeah, we're shifting from that to a sense of curiosity and engagement, and it's a huge shift. Yeah, curiosity and engagement with our experience. And we're opening up the space. Yeah. So we're nourishing transformation as we do that. So we've zipped through and we'll talk more about these tomorrow um, or kind of explore how to work with them. But um, just the one thing to remember, there's always a way of looking. 
Now, always a way of looking. And we're interested to recognize it. And we're interested to investigate, to bring interest and curiosity to it. And we're interested to feel it in the body. Yeah. To feel it in the body. And we're interest, interested to be uh, skillful and playful and experimental in how we respond. Yeah, there's always possibility, there's always a way of responding to experience. Always. So let's have a, a quiet moment just to close this and, uh, and then I'll explain a little bit about the groups that are coming up. So thank you for your listening and your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.